Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, and joining me, as always, Matt F. The Oracle, Matthew Friedman. And Matt, we have a very special guest joining us here today. Welcome to the show, Captain Jack Andrews of Unabated. Jack, how are you doing today? I am good, guys. I'm psyched to do this. This should be fun. I am very excited as well. This is going to be a conversation very different from what you're going to hear around I'd wager almost any other podcast out there talking about the NFL right now because your approach to gambling, especially in football, is a little bit different. You told me yourself, you will openly admit, you can't name 10 NFL starters, and yet you're still out here making money in the NFL. How is it that you're approaching these games to bet them when you're not really looking at the teams in specifics? You know, going to my head, Tom, I could probably name more than 10, but they're all going to be quarterbacks because quarterbacks are the only position that really affects the point spread. Uh, so I think that's the that's one of the first things is I'm looking at numbers. I'm looking at market makers and what they have the number at. And then I'm looking at some of these softer books. And let's face it, there's a lot of softer books out there these days. And I'm trying to pick off their slow movement or maybe areas that they're inefficient maybe derivative pricing, things like that. Uh, the NFL, the, the best thing about betting the NFL is you're not just restricted to the spread and the total and the money line. We got props on everything. We got props on everything every game. We have alternate lines. We have alternate first quarter lines. We have second half lines. There are so many different ways to bet the NFL that honestly, I feel that if you're memorizing who the third person on the depth chart at free safety is uh, when they're going against a 12 personnel, you're wasting your time because it, there's there's so many different ways to beat this. You don't need to get into the the nitty gritty of, of knowing all the players. So yeah, I so could I name 10 players? I probably could, but they're all going to be quarterbacks because really in my mind, that's the only position that I really care about. All right. Uh, Captain Jack, actually, here's a question. Do you prefer Captain Jack or just Jack? You can call me Jack. No, there's no right. military service behind this. All right, Jack. The all right, your answer prompted like four follow-up questions in my brain. And of course, Tom has a beautiful outline here. I'm going to let him stick to the outline with the questions that he all asked. Right. I'm I'm going to go off the cuff. And so one thing that uh that you know, like Twitter, you know, Twitter, you know, Twitter people, well, you know, minions, uh, trolls, whatever that they'll kind of throw at you is like, Oh, do you watch the game? You know, like, Hey, did you watch the game? And so the question is, do you watch football? I'm assuming you don't watch it all that much. If you do, or you don't, it's not so much for the purposes of handicapping. It's maybe just to enjoy watching it, but how do you incorporate watching football or not watching football into your process? Yeah, Matt, actually, I watch football. I I am red zone on Sunday. Seven hours of commercial free football starts now. I say it as if there's a camera on me every week. Um, and I also have like a streaming service where I can get like four different streams in at the same time, although it's just slightly too delayed for my own betting uh process but i do watch football i watch a lot of football i love watching football i'm just not watching it with the eye of trying to handicap based on what i'm seeing other than how it could affect the line or how it could affect a future line i'll give you two examples from this weekend's games uh, i was watching the pittsburgh cincinnati game i saw tj watt come off holding his shoulder and clearly saying i tore my pec now what is TJ Watt worth to the line? 
not that much. He's probably the best defensive player on the team, but he's not worth that much to the actual line. And you guys are saying, well, hey, you just named TJ Watt. You know who TJ Watt is. I do, I guess, really. Um, so it counts against one of my 10. Uh, but I could have used that, but it was late in the game. I think it was like 30 seconds left in the game. It was right before Cincinnati tried to kick that, uh, that, that go ahead point. Um, and so I could have used that information just from watching the game, getting ahead of any kind of injury information. Fast forward to Sunday night, the end towards the end of the Tampa Bay Dallas game, Dak Prescott comes off. I didn't see him mouth anything, but when he's standing talking to the Dallas um, longtime team doctor who always wears the Stetson as if he's like escorting Jack Ruby through Dallas PD or something, um, he clearly says, it may be broke. I could read his lips. It may be broke. Boom. Jump on anything fading Dallas that you could find. Now, unfortunately, while the game is going on, you can't find all that much. And then double unfortunately, the NBC broadcast zooms into Dak saying, I broke my hand as he's coming off the field. And so then all bets were off, basically. There was no way to find anything of value. But those are two instances where you see something and you can react to it before it gets out there. And you can only know it by watching the game. All right. So I, uh, again, more follow-up questions off of that. You mentioned uh, live betting there, you know, like, Hey, you could see as you're watching the game, something happen, and there might be an advantage to betting on it. Um, now you also mentioned earlier, you don't have to bet just sides and totals. There are lots of props and, you know, my experience, the experience of a lot of other people who are getting into the space uh, as novice bettors, maybe they have some success and then a book limits them. Uh, and maybe it's because they have success betting props or, you know, they see something live betting it and the book says, hey, they reacted to this information. We don't like that they, you know, did this in what we view as uh, an untoward manner. And so we're going to limit them. Can you talk a little bit about like kind of navigating that uh, and how it is that you approach the betting market knowing that if you do skew towards certain types of bets, the books might not take that kindly. Right. So you always have to be aware of the story you're telling a sports book when you're betting, especially if you're betting with an advantage. And you know that in the end, you can win if you can just last long enough at this sports book. So you got to tell a story to the sports book as you're betting. Uh, whether that be when you first open the account, you put in some bets that maybe don't have an edge or just things that sports books like to see, like parlays and stuff like that. And then as you kind of get into it, you can sprinkle in the advantage bets. So one thing that I always tell people is if sports betting had a food pyramid, we've all seen that kind of that food pyramid that says, uh, you know, these are the things you do a lot of and then less, less, less. And these are the things at the very top of the pyramid you just have once in a while. Well, the things you do a lot of would be NFL sides and totals because sports books eat that up. They just think that they have an edge and they probably do have an edge on all NFL sides and totals aggregately. But at the very peak of that would be uh, props and promos. And that's two things where you got to go, OK, I can just have a little taste of this now and then uh, in order to kind of sustain my account. Now, if you're losing in the lower tiers of things that they want to see, you have more um leeway when it comes to those those sweet treats at the top of the pyramid in those in those props so that's that's one way to look at it but i will add matt uh nfl props get a lot more leeway than other sports and take it from me i've tried to beat props all my career and i'm used to hundred dollar or less limits with it 
And strangely with the NFL, there are still a lot of places that'll take $500 a pop, $1,000 a pop on a prop. And I think that's that's tremendous. That's, it's easy to get like a 20% edge on a prop uh, if you do your homework. And you know that's, that's a fascinating edge to have uh, dozens and dozens of times throughout an NFL week. Now, what you're doing, you talk about having an advantage. You're not simply sitting there looking at lines and arbitraging numbers. That is something entirely different. You are actually going looking at these lines, looking at the discrepancies in the market, and you're calculating that you have an advantage when you are placing a certain bet at a certain book versus the value of the rest of the market. Right, right, Tom. It comes down to what is my source of truth, okay? Now, if I was this savant modeler who could come up with the the best perfect price in the world, then I'm my own source of truth. And I go, well, that price is off. I'm going to take that. But I'm not that guy. And I don't think anybody really can be that guy in the NFL. But we do have these sharp sports books in the world that take the bets from all of those super savant modeler guys and they create basically a, a price that has been hammered into shape just based on their own uh, aggregate hive mind of all of these sharp betters. And so that's why if you can key in on who the top market making books are in any kind of uh, sport, you can use that as your source of truth. And then when you find a price that varies from the source of truth, you know, well, is it going to be this soft book that doesn't really take a lot of sharp action. Do they have the right number? Or is it going to be this book that gets hammered into shape by literally million dollar bets left and right uh, to make sure they have the exact right price? And you, you go with the sharp book and you play the inefficiency at the softer book. It's um, simple market economics, I guess you could call it. And you actually kind of hit on what I wanted to ask you next here, because Advantage Play is all about finding this value in your bets, finding an edge. And my question was going to be, how do you know when you have value? Because if your edge is probability of a win multiplied by fractional odds divided by amount risked, my my question: How are you determining that that uh, what that win probability is, what that x is that goes into the equation to arrive at your final edge calculation? And you're saying that for you, it's not that you're making up a model. Some betters, certainly some betters that we know, are making up models and having their own numbers. But for you, you are using other sources and saying, I trust this source. I've evaluated this source to the point where they are the ones who I believe in, and I'm going to use their probability of a win in my calculation. Exactly. And so, you know, not to advertise my my own site, but I, I started this site with Rufus Peabody, a famed uh, professional better called unabated.com. And we have an odd screen. And what we did is since we have some market making books out there, we polled all of the sharpest betters that we know dozens and dozens of, of excellent sharp bettors and ask them on each league, who is the sharpest book and who is the second sharpest and who is the third sharpest. And we kind of got this aggregate poll together, which allowed us to come up with a weighting system so that we know in the NFL, this sports book is the sharpest, this sports book's next sharpest. And we crafted a weighted uh, VIG free line that we call the unabated line. And basically you can use that as sort of like the true price. Now, is it the exact true price? Well, no, because nobody knows the exact true price. And this isn't a finite mathematical system. Like sports get, you know, there's a reason they play the games, right? That's the way they, they say. Uh, and sports is like that. So anything could happen, but this is the sharpest possible efficient market line at that time. And I personally use that one as my basis for finding value at 
other sports books in a variety of different markets. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I mean, one, it's it's smart. It's market informed. Uh, it streamlines your works like it's, it's highly efficient uh, and it removes, I think, uh, what is the potential for a good deal of bias, you know, like the I know better bias of either like, hey, I watch the games. I know the sport. I know the players, I know the teams, I know the key matchups. And that means that I know more than people who are really smart, uh, but don't know all of those things. Uh, and so I, I, I do like that approach. Can you talk a little bit? And by the way, I should, I should say unabated, fantastic website. Uh, obviously, you two are great. Uh, Dan Fabrizio, uh, the other founder there, fantastic guy. Uh, so fantastic website. And the, the tools, the data is absolutely amazing. Um, at Unabated, uh, you have a process for statistically modeling. Uh, a lot of bettors don't know how to model or are unfamiliar with it. Uh, like this past summer, I did a lot of reading on on data, statistics, and then also sports betting and, you know, kind of uh, recrafted my model. You know, I say model is spreadsheets. I'm, I'm doing all of this yeah. in spreadsheets, right? Uh, you know, but everyone seems to be in this like something of a a self-taught hack where you're just kind of piecing together things from here or there can you talk a little bit about modeling and uh i guess the way you do it or others who have had success doing it general guidelines for people who might be looking to get into this yeah so okay so we're transitioning here from everything we've talked about in the last 10 minutes or so has been this the top down method i think it's we call it is yeah. where you're kind of going with somebody else's source of truth now we're talking about bottom up and uh, the advantage of bottom up is you're coming up with your own opinions you're building your own model it's all about your process and for some people this is more rewarding to go about sports betting this way um so when it comes to modeling you made a great point matt in that it's really just spreadsheets because really that's what it is. You know, everyone, we all, we all like to say, oh, we've got a model, 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 but really we've got, we've got Excel, we've got Google Sheets. Yeah. You know, yeah. some people are using R and, and Python and things like that to do a little bit more advanced number crunching. But for the most part, we're all kind of using Excel. It's a great way to kind of uh, see all of your data all at once. And when it comes to modeling, you need to always be thinking about what ingredients are going into a model because are you really going to beat a sport like the NFL by coming up with all the same data that everyone else could possibly be using? You know, if you're taking all your data from NFL.com, chances are you're not getting anything on there that a million other people don't already know and that the line definitely already knows. So you need to come about it and say, what do I have unique into this situation? Or conversely, what market can I attack? that's less efficient than maybe just an NFL main line. Uh, you know, I, I give this example before. I used to bet props on just tight ends because I figured I can go through the tight end stats and I can know what factors match up at a tight end. Because when you think about what a tight end does, sometimes they're blocking. And if there's a deficiency on the offensive line that week for some reason, they're gonna be blocking more. Or if this team is going to have to use the run more, they're going to be blocking more. Um, now, if they're going against a weak 
uh, defense where maybe across the middle, that's a good spot for a tight end. If they're using any kind of West Coast offense, that's a good spot for a tight end. So you kind of use these little things and you can kind of get into the weeds a little bit more and you're just focusing on tight ends. Um, that sounds a little weird to say, but the point being is like you go about things, you have to understand your, your lane. You can't just go in and build an Excel sheet that's going to beat the NFL. Uh, you can build an Excel sheet that's going to beat number of receptions for tight ends in the AFC South. You know, you can, you can narrow it down and you might be able to find something. Guys, real quick, I want to talk to you about Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. My friends and I changed over this year and I absolutely love it. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in a football game or number of points in a basketball game. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group's picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together, so stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Use the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for a Sleeper account today and Sleeper will automatically credit your account $100 to get you started. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper.com for details. And when you talk about some of these data sets and some of the things that you're interested in using yourself, uh, like being able to bet props specifically on tight ends because you're spotting an inefficiency in that market, what are some of the ways that people are using that are generating these sources of truth? You talk about some of the programs they're using, but if somebody wanted to get into this and begin building their own models, what would your suggestion be on places where they can start? So we have a video series on unabated.com from a very talented guy who's put out videos before. And I, I contacted him. His name is T just the letter T. Um, And I contacted him and I said, you have a great way of explaining things. Would you make a series of videos for us? And this was back in the summer. Uh, Let's just start with baseball props. And so he did. And if you watch all of his videos, and I think we've had like seven or so out. We had another one coming out this week. He has a great kind of way of just stepping you into the next concept, stepping into the next concept, learning as you go. Everything from like bootstrapping data to uh, you know, finding sources of data and, and pull, pulling them into Excel and, and stuff like that. St- things that every modeler would would need to know. We're transitioning now into football props. We were doing baseball lineup props, and now we're doing football. And that's a great way to kind of learn a step as you go type of thing. Uh, other than that, there's a lot of resources out there in terms of coming up with rudimentary models. Uh, Andrew Mack has two books out called... Um, modeling sports statistics in Excel or something like that. And those are, those are great books. They're easy reads. And he has like spreadsheets you can download that kind of give you real world examples of them too, which is, which is great. Um, But other than that, it's sort of one of these things that Matt said, you know, we're all kind of self-taught. We're all kind of hacking it together. Um, I've met, I've met very few data scientists in actual sports betting. I've just met a lot of people that think they're data scientists in sports betting. 
If you want to win a signed Joe Mixon Cincinnati Bengals jersey, courtesy of our friends at Pristine Auction, you need to subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below this video and that is it. You will automatically be entered. We will be announcing a winner right here on the channel. So make sure to turn on those notifications so you can be alerted when new episodes are up and to claim your prize. All right. So, uh, you know, we've talked about modeling, uh, and, you know, you said you do watch. Uh, you don't watch entire games, but you're watching uh, what everyone else watches, the good stuff on on Sunday afternoon, a whole bunch of points being scored. Uh, is there anything, now that we have an entire week of NFL data, uh, you know, Monday night football last night, is there anything that really stood out to you uh, in week one? And whatever, wherever it is that, that your mind goes on this. Well, so everyone says week two is the great overreaction week, right? So you don't want to read too much into what you saw in week one. Uh, so I don't want to get into like, did it does, is Chicago this good? Is San Francisco that bad? Is Seattle this good? Is, that sort of thing. Um, what has struck, struck me is watching market efficiency from week one to week two. So in other words, those week one lines were out about three months ago and they just sat there and they were slowly were hammered into shape. Yet we saw a lot of market movement last week. Cleveland is an example. Cleveland went uh, from, from being a three-point favorite down to being a slight dog, back up to being like a one or two-point favorite. And wouldn't you know it, that game lands right around one or two there. So that was that was an interesting case of like how efficient did the market get? Now week two comes out and now we have a much shorter span of market efficiency um, creating creation. And we're already starting to see that whereas preseason and week one, a lot of these release shows that came out had a, had a vast impact on the market. The, the line was jumping all over the place with these various release shows, which seem to be the buzz these days, right? But they're less so now because the market can't be as far off as some of the market was dictating before. So in other words, in a preseason game, could the market be 10% off in the NFL? Yeah, it could. Uh, in week one, could the market be 10% off? No, no way. Could it be seven, five to 7% off? Maybe. And now we're seeing in week two, there were a couple of releases that came out and they were released right around like minus nine on both Green Bay and San Francisco, and they moved to 10. Well, moving from nine to 10 is not that big of a move. It's, it's more like 5%, and that's about the limit. So we're saying like early week, week two, could the market be 5% off? Yes, it generally could be. Now, if this was week 14 and somebody made a release in Monday, Tuesday, the market is not going to react nearly as much because the market gets more and more efficient as the year goes on. These early, these first four weeks, still we're still learning about a lot of teams. The market's still in flux. But as we get further into the middle of the season, uh, outside of like injury news to a quarterback or anything like that, you're not going to see major swings come from a release show. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, it'd be very tough to get a line to move through any any of the key numbers, the three, the six, the seven, the 10, the 14 somewhat, uh, but you just can't get the lines to move past those key numbers. And so that's one thing I've been watching is as we get further into week two, we're gonna see less movement from those release shows. As we get into three, four, five, six, even less so. Uh, and I have a feeling they're gonna start releasing a little earlier and earlier just so they can have an impact a little bit more. 
right. Uh, I have some questions on particular games that you mentioned them. And so I, I just kind of want to walk through them. So okay. thinking about that San Francisco Seattle game uh, and in the the preseason look ahead market, right? So obviously week one lines were released months in advance, but there were some books that also released lines for weeks two through 17. Uh, mm-hmm. And so in the early market for this game, the line was eight and a half. In the look ahead market on Thursday, this line was eight and a half. And in the early lines that were released on Sunday before Seattle played on Monday night football, this line was eight and a half. Seattle goes out there and wins, surprisingly, wins as an underdog against former quarterback for them, Russell Wilson. And now the line has moved to 10. And so even though they, you know, even though this line has held steady for this entire duration, even though they went out there and won, even though San Francisco went and lost on the road in a horrible situation, maybe like the novice better, even some experienced betters might look at this line and think, oh, this line's going to come down. But instead, it actually moved against Seattle. Can you talk about that? Like as a sharp, experienced sports better who's not focused so much on here's what happened in the nuances of the game, but here is what is happening within the market. Can you talk about how it is that you view that line? Right. So with that game particularly, uh, if I pull up the line history, which I can do by clicking on the line at any sports book on the unabated screen, I can see the total line history going back to actually to, to May, it was the first time a line came out on this game. Um, and you're right, it, it actually came out San Francisco minus seven and a half back in May, went to eight and a half through a lot of the preseason. Uh, this was a this was a release from Adam Chernoff earlier today. Uh, he sent this out to his telegram group. And that's what I meant about like, that is impacting the line, nothing else, just just Adam's uh, narrative. Now, look, I know Adam, Adam's a great guy. I, I like Adam a lot. Um, I'm not making any any comment on his handicapping ability. I'm just saying this is just one guy's narrative. The fact that it's followed by so many people and they all hit the line at the same time, that's what forced the move. And I have a theory about some of these things. Um, I call it the bridge too far theory because sometimes this market just goes a bridge too far. And, you, you know, you got to play it back at some point. And so I had told people on our Discord, like, look, if this hits 10 and a half, that's a bridge too far, uh, but it won't be there long. And sure enough, uh, an offshore book briefly put up 10 and a half, five seconds it was there, and then boom, back down because they got they got sniped real fast. Because um, you know that the 10 is a key enough number and the nine is not a key enough number that, yeah, a strong wind could possibly push this, a strong wind metaphorically, um, could possibly push this from nine to 10, but it ain't going past 10. 10 and a half is a bridge too far. And that's the sort of the, the market economics you need to learn about the NFL is uh, how far is too far, how far is a move, and especially around certain numbers. You know, getting through the eight and the nine is not that hard. Getting through the 10 is hard, getting through the seven is hard. So that's why we see some flux in eight and nine. Do I think this number is gonna come back down? I do actually, I think it'll come back down to nine and a half. Um, by the end of the week. But that's not necessarily my own narrative or my own handicapping. I'm just thinking there's a lot of people out there that are going to, when they're faced with uh, that 10 number up there, they're going to want to go with the underdog, you know, you know, two, two digits like that, that in their mind, they just say, wow, you're giving him, you're giving him a field goal and a touchdown. I'm going to go with the plus 10 could drive it back down to nine and a half. 
All right, I, I have a follow-up here, and I got to apologize to Tom. I'm just jumping in. I'm not letting him get his questions in. But, you know, so let's say, you know, I've modeled this, you know, quote-unquote modeled. I've modeled this. I've projected it out, and I think that this line should be nine. Now, let's say, just for the, the sake of this hypothetical, that you think this line should be nine. And with 10 being a key number, is that enough of a value for you as an advantage uh, an advantage better and someone who who understands the market and looks at it, is that enough of an advantage for you to say, okay, I'm going to bet this even at 10 because at that key number, I can at least get the push. And I know it's not going to go to 10 and a half or highly unlikely it goes to 10 and a half. And if anything, it could move back down to nine and a half. So at 10, there's value here and this is the time to bet it. So what I'm doing real quick is I'm just checking in Unabated's tools. We have what's an alternate line calculator. So you can put in what you think is the true price, or you can select it from the Unabated line, and then you could put in an alternate line and see what that alternate line should be priced at if given a a true line of 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 nine. And so it's basically saying that if you were to get plus ten when the line should be nine it's like getting it at minus 113. Um, now, that nine is a VIG free price. In other words, we're not adding the minus 110 on there. We're just taking the VIG free nine. So it's adding like 13 cents in mm -hmm. there. So there is an edge here because if you're able to get plus 10 minus 113, then, and you're able to find that somewhere at plus 10 minus 110, that's an edge. You, there, it, it may seem very small, it may seem three cents. You know, mm -hmm. Jack, what's what's three cents worth? Well, three cents is actually worth in at that point. Uh, it's about a about a one percent edge, and getting a one percent edge in the NFL is something to pat yourself on the back for because the NFL is a tough market to beat. So if you could be betting things with a plus one percent edge, you're going to be fine in the long run. And for a lot of people, maybe they're just out there for the recreation of it. Well, yeah, you got a little sharper bet because of it. Um, but that's if you make that line to be nine. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think that the market's sharp, our unabated line right now on that is actually uh, minus or it's plus 10 minus 105 is the unabated line, which is the aggregate of the sharp books. So, you know, you'd be disagreeing with the unabated line. Um, but let's see where the market moves from here, because I think the market's going to drift back a little. Now, I had some time to go pop a beer, enjoy some of the champions <laughs> going on right now between questions here. But uh, you talk about how it's hard to beat the NFL, which obviously is one of the most efficient betting markets on the planet because everybody loves to bet on it. What are some of your favorite markets to try and find inefficiencies in? Is it that bettors who want to try and play this way, especially if they're starting out, might want to veer to some of these leagues and some of these, uh, some of these markets that simply aren't going to get hammered as much because there might be a better inefficiency there that if you do know more about a sport than someone else and it's a niche sport, you truly can spot an inefficiency? Right. So this is the great paradox, um, Tom, is that the, the less confidence a sports book has in their prices, the lower the amount of bets they're going to take in it. And so with the NFL, a lot of sports books will take anything you want to bet on a, on a side or total or on a basic side. Totals, they get a little queasy on sometimes. But on a side, yeah, they'll take anything you want to bet, especially day of game. But when you come to other sports, their limits are much lower. And they may have like a $200 limit on WNBA totals. Well, that's your sign right there that they don't have a lot of confidence in their line. 
and you could possibly have a sharper take on it than they do. It's a it's a more inefficient market. So, I mean, you can take that down as, as far as you want to go. You can take it down into like minor soccer leagues in Europe and things like that where you can find lines, but you're not going to be able to make a lot of money in the long run doing that because the markets just don't bear that type of liquidity. So that's the great paradox of a sports better is how do I find something that's weak enough that I can beat it, but they take enough money that I can actually make money in the long run doing this. And it's sort of like training wheels, in my opinion. You need to attack those smaller markets to train you how to figure out market efficiency and inefficiency and use that to attack bigger markets later. I started out attacking uh, home run props was one of the first thing I did, then strikeouts. This is back in the mid-2000s. And worked my way up. I was betting WNBA a little bit. Um, college college sports may still be the sweet spot for a lot of betters. College football is still quite inefficient, especially when you get into FCS games, and you can find places that'll take a decent pop on those games. College basketball is another one where uh, college basketball totals just move all over the map, and if you're quick, you can catch a lot of things there. And they, you know, there's places that'll take five hundred, a thousand dollars a pop on that. So there's different approaches you can do. Um, the only sport that I actually do my own handicapping and modeling and, and everything is the NBA, because I think the NBA is unique in how um, player factors. You know, there's only five people on the court for each team, so player factors matter a lot when a player is in versus when it's out. I don't want to give away too much. I don't want to give away my secret sauce. But point being is I think there's a lot of edges to find in the NBA if you get really into it. And that's a sport that they'll take big limits on. All right. I love that Tom asked a a very good sort of evergreen philosophical question. I'm going to bring us back down to earth here by asking a very focused week two question here. I'm looking at the Rams and the Falcons. Uh, and so the Rams, you know, played – season opening game Thursday night football at home defending champions and absolutely got trounced by the the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills uh, and now they've had three extra days to rest compared to the Atlanta Falcons who are going to be traveling east to west uh, and the Falcons who almost won uh, this past week and then somehow uh, lost at, at the very end uh, and I will say uh, you know, the the decision that um, head coach Arthur Smith made to punt at the end of the game, one of the worst decisions that we have really seen. And it's not like I'm just saying this, uh, like to say it, uh, Ben Baldwin has a, a bot uh, that looks at fourth down decisions. And he calculated that this literally was the fourth, uh, the worst fourth down decision uh, in the history of the bot's existence. So it's not like that really factors into it, but it's just like, okay, this is a team that has a head coach that who makes suboptimal decisions. And I feel mm -hmm. like that is a piece of information that is useful in some way. So thinking about this game here in the, the preseason look ahead market, this line was 13 and a half. Mm -hmm. On the Thursday look-ahead market, it was 13, and I believe that when the early lines came out, this line was 11 and a half, and it has been bet to 10 and a half. I don't think there's any chance this line gets to 10 because the the chance of them taking LA money at 10 just seems far too great. But I might be wrong. I might be a donkey here. But you, 
as a sharp here, how are you looking at this line movement and the dynamics of these two teams entering the game? Uh, yes, I think we have probably. So in other words, we've gone from 13 to 10 and a half. That's really the move we're, we're analyzing here. Uh, the 11 and 12 are worth very, very little. It, that's another area where, you, you know, a strong breeze can blow the line through 11 and 12. 10 and a half, I think, is where it has to stop. It's it's too much. It would be a bridge too far to get down to minus 10. Definitely not going through minus 10 unless there's some kind of injury information that comes out. Uh, it, it's just one of these things where, yeah, 13, once we got past 13, it wasn't stopping again until 10 and a half. When's the last time you remember seeing a line minus 11 or minus 12? You know, they, ju- they just never exist because it blows too easily to the 10 or 13. So, yeah. Um, on this one, I don't have an opinion in terms of handicapping and in terms of those two teams themselves, but I do not believe we see, if we see a 10, it'll be very quick and then somebody will jump on it. If we see a, sorry, dog wants attention. Um, if we see uh, anything else, it's it's not going to get through the 10 or the 13 again. Guys, football season is here, and if you want to get in on the action, we recommend heading on over to our friends at BetMGM. The King of Sportsbooks is offering up the King of Promotions right now. Use the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for a BetMGM account today, and you will get a $1,000 risk-free bet for your first bet. That's right. You get a $1,000 risk-free bet just for using the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for an account with BetMGM. So get in on the action today, guys. Enjoy the football season, and let's cash some tickets together. Now, I've got another question for you here, kind of involving specific markets, kind of going a little more general, but looking at the Vikings versus the Eagles, this game opened Philly three, and it has plummeted down to Philly one. And in fact, some books around town now are even offering you uh, anywhere from Philly minus two, Vikings plus one. There's a chance that you might be able to get this game to flip to the Vikings as a favorite. If that's something that happens, are you looking to try and open up a middle? Are you looking at the market and saying I might be able to get, uh, I might be able to get Vikings plus one, plus two, depending on where I am, and then come back around the other way and grab Philly plus two later on if you think the line can get that far, or is that not something that you're particularly looking to do in terms of setting up middles? So this is this is a tricky game because you got a couple things at factor here. Uh, one, both teams were very impressive in week one. Secondly, they tend to be getting a lot of public sediment, both of those teams. So sportsbooks, I don't think, know which way the action is going to come in on this one. So they're protecting themselves. And then third, we're, we're around the, the teaser, the Wong teaser sweet spot there of like plus one and a half to plus two and a half. They probably want to protect themselves a little bit against Vikings teasers, but they also don't want to set themselves up so that they're going to get hit with any Philadelphia teasers if the line goes through the zero. Now, the zero itself is not as impressive as a lot of people think it is. You know, you're saying, well, wait, one team was favored, now the other team's favored. Yeah, but the probability of a tie is so low, week one notwithstanding, but the probability of a tie is so low that that zero is worth almost nothing. And so really when a line comes down to a team being um, plus one and moving across to minus one, that's sort of like a just a one half point across that what would be a two point move on paper. 
And I know that that confuses a lot of newer betters, but you just have to think of it that way is really you're only gaining a half a point going from minus one to plus one. So that's what makes that whole move through the zero seem a little bit more imposing than it really is. Um, specifically to your question, if I see this continue to move, and I'm actually surprised it's continuing to move, um, and it becomes a point where Vikings are the favorite. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're going to get to that point just because it is an Eagles home game on a Monday night. It's very tough to kind of disabuse people of that notion in their head of like, oh, this is you know, this is prime time Monday night football home game. You know that that home field advantage is worth a lot. Um, so I don't. Not to I don't, mention the uh, Kirk Cousins narrative. Kirk Cousins. Right. Prime it, time. Well, a lot. Of, there's a lot of a lot of different narratives. So I don't think we're going to see it go through that. If it does, this is the sort of thing that people jump on and say, oh, I got the Eagles at uh, a plus one. Um, you know, that's that's great. That's that's super price. Um, it's one of those things that I would wait to see if I could get to plus one and a half and then I'm going to tease the Eagles. But I, I don't think I'm going to get that to that opportunity. But the Carolina Cleveland game last week was a good example of that. People had early teasers on Carolina and then Cleveland moved and became a, a slight dog, and they were able to grab teasers on Cleveland as well, and both sides won. All right, I have uh, two more questions here, and then we'll let you go. You've been uh, very generous with your time. Uh, so one question here on the the Lions and the Commanders game. Uh, and this is more of a, a philosophical question about kind of what is, what is worth more. So – on the Thursday look-ahead lines, Detroit was a one-point underdog. And in the modeling that I had at the time, I had Detroit as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And so at that time, I was thinking, all right, there's there's some value here. I know, you know going through zero isn't that big of a deal, but there's some theoretical value here, and I could bet it now. Or I could wait to see what happens in week one. Uh, and maybe that information uh, is worth more than grabbing a bet through, you know, the non-key line of zero here. Of course, I didn't bet it, and then it it opens flip the other way, pretty close to where I had it projected. And so my question here is, in that situation, I know that's a very specific situation, but there is value in in looking at the look ahead lines and uh, and maybe betting them early if you actually do have an edge. What do you think would have been the right move there, or like what do you think is worth more, like the knowledge of what happens in a game or betting based in that situation? Well, all markets tend towards efficiency. That's something that I believe in. Efficient market theory, I guess you could call that. So as we go along closer to game time, we get more uh, information and that is a more efficient price. I feel like Detroit was already a little bit um, overbought with the hard knocks narrative and all of that. So seeing, seeing Detroit as an, as, a, as an early dog there and then seeing it kind of move to a favorite, doesn't seem to be that far off of what that narrative was kind of playing into. Is everybody thinking like, oh, Detroit's, they got grit. They're, they're trying harder this year. I do watch Hard Knocks, by the way. Um, I don't know any of the players. And so I, you know, I can, I can definitely see where somebody might say grabbing Detroit as a underdog on these look-aheads would be wise. But I just, I, the way that I play the market where I'm looking at 
a source of truth and their efficient number, uh, I'm going to miss some of the early moves that could have been available to me because I'm waiting until that efficient number is the most efficient in order to strike. And in the NFL, you don't get a lot of those opportunities. It's not like, um, you know, an, a, a market maker has minus two and a half and you're able to find, uh, you know, plus three and a half on the other side somewhere else. No one's straddling the three. So, that again, that move from Detroit uh, plus one to Detroit, you can still get a minus one and a half out there on Detroit. It's not that big of a move. And um, the only regret I would have is if I was thinking that Detroit was a good teaser option, if there was a plus one and a half out there earlier, you know, I might have would have jumped on that. But um, I, you know, I, I just can't say, Matt, that I would have felt much FOMO on this line move. Um, because this is all based on week one, right? This is all based on Detroit's defense looked a little suspect. Uh, maybe Wentz still has something in his tank, although some of those late game plays that he did um, in the Jaguars game could make you think otherwise. So I don't know. Um, I don't know which way this one's going to go, to be honest with you. But I know it's probably not going to reach three. And, um, you know, at this point, I'm not sure that I would be too much FOMO for missing out on, on Detroit mm -hmm. plus one. Yeah. All right. Final, final question here. You said maybe you can name 10 F 10 NFL players, mostly quarterbacks. I'm assuming you know who Dak Prescott is because you talked about him earlier and how mm -hmm. uh, he said it's broke uh, or it might be broke uh, talking about his thumb, which in fact is broken and he will be out for uh, a significant amount of time. It seems like at least four weeks, maybe upwards of eight, potentially longer. Uh, and so, you know, looking at that game we have coming up, Dallas uh, hosting Cincinnati. Uh, Dallas, for a lot of time, was favored. Uh, you know, the early look-ahead lines, you know, in the preseason, favored by two. Uh, on the Thursday night look-ahead line, favored by two and a half. Obviously, for Sunday night football, that line comes down and it reopens and you have the Cincinnati Bengals as seven point favorites now in a wild swing situation like this where it's obviously tied to one player obviously injury induced do you have general opinions about how to attack markets like this because like we don't know like we can have a sense of like okay Dak is worth this relative to the spread and his backup Cooper Rush might be worth this relative to the spread but really we do not know so do you have thoughts on situations like this because they come up you know four to eight times a year mm -hmm. I do uh, they're not my own opinion. They are the opinion of Rufus Peabody, who I consider the best sports better on the planet. I'm unbiased on that. He doesn't give me his picks, even though I think that. Um, here's the thing. When Rufus does his power ratings, he ranks QB1 and QB2. And we put that into our simulator on unabated.com. And so even previous to that game where Dak got injured, you could go in there and you could see that Dallas – with QB1, which is Dak Prescott, was plus 2.2, and Dallas with QB2 was minus 5.5 in these power ratings. You can take the difference in that. It comes out to 7.7 .7 points. And if you look at the line move, it was uh, Dallas minus 2.5. It's now uh, Cincinnati minus 7.5, and, and there's some 8s out there. And you also have to figure out that going from 1 to 1 is only really worth a half a point 
Well, that really works out to be about a seven and a half to eight point move, which is what Rufus's power ratings predicted. I know guys that work at some of the big sports books in Vegas and offshore. They absolutely use Rufus's numbers because he is clearly knows what he's talking about. So I don't have any doubt that somebody went to our simulator and quick looked up, you know, and they have their own numbers, too, that they work with um, because it, it was exactly that. But that also tells you where the bridge too far theory can come in. You know, DAC is worth 7.7 points, um, DAC to Cooper Rush anyway. And so then, you know, what if they go out and they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Look at me. I'm just throwing names out there. Um, what would that be worth? You know, you got to factor that in and, and kind of work that into the whole scenario because Jimmy Garoppolo is probably better than Cooper Rush. So there's a lot of stuff you could do. And that's why I only tend to know quarterbacks is because they're the ones that can swing a line seven points. You know, Aaron Rodgers last year with COVID, nine plus points. Um, Tom Brady, man, we're always keeping track of Tom Brady because, look, a 45-year-old can't stay healthy forever. Um, so you always got to be factoring in what's the Tom Brady drop-off if that should happen. Uh, plenty of other guys. And there's there's some people that have been in the league where the backup would probably be a bit better choice. Um Chad Henke was was an example of that, where he was better than the starting quarterback at the time. Or like uh, Joe Flacco with uh with, yeah, with Joe, Tom's Tom's Jets right there. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. so, that line improved, and you could see that in our in Rufus's power ratings. So knowing that is a key to that's just enough bottom up knowledge of NFL is is knowing those quarterbacks. Um, and if you're curious. You know, you would say, Jack, what's the second most valuable position on a football team that could affect the line? It's the offensive lineman. You know, the center's worth maybe a point and a half. The offensive linemen are worth about a point. Uh, but really, beyond that, running backs, wide receivers, they're all interchangeable. The the drop-off from RB1 to RB2 is is never a big enough for it to be worth more than a point in the, in the line. Um, as the Bengals learned this week, though, long snapper can be pretty important. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was, oh, I, I, that cost me some money. That cost a lot of people some money, I believe. All yes. right. Well, Jack, I could keep you here for another three hours and continue this discussion in perpetuity because it has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for your time today. We can't begin to state how much we appreciate you being on with us. One more time for the listeners, where can they go if they want to find you and all the great work you're doing? Well, we're doing a lot of great work at unabated.com. Uh, we have an odd screen. We have tools. We have simulators. We have props odds. It's tough to find prop odds, right? No, we've got a prop odds screen. We've got prop simulators. We got everything you could possibly want to get an edge at sports betting. And it's a pay site, but we offer a seven-day trial. Come check us out. Ditch out after six days. I don't mind. You know, it's fine. Um, so unabated.com. And then you can find me on Twitter doing my usual ranting and raving at, at CapJack2000. Well, for Matt F., the Oracle, and Captain Jack, I'm Thomas Viola. And as the great Joe Pisapio would say, the story of the game goes on. Guys, let's cash some tickets this week. Have a good one, everybody.